Keith is already four weeks through his mini experiment. He has six weeks to trade and to decide if he wants to take the truck full time, but he doesn't even have the license to be able to trade yet. Is Keith going to get the license in time to be able to launch? Can he find a commissary? Can he get people to show up? Can he launch his business ready to prove that it works before he has to take on the year-long lease for the food truck? Enjoy this episode as we find out what's happening on Keith's journey. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome back to The Rebel Entrepreneur. I have with me Keith Hunt of Red-Headed Step Taco. Keith, how are you today? Doing great, Alan. Always good to be here. It's always good to have you on the show because I never know what's going to happen next. We are deep in the middle of a mini experiment. We've got the license. We've got the commissary. Are we even trading yet? What's happening, Keith? Oh, that's a loaded question. There's a, <laughs> you, might get, you might get a fire hose response. You're going to have to tune me down. Yeah, it's going good. Like you said, run to a few snags. They were processing my application for the health department permit. I had to go back and forth a little bit with the commissary. The health department didn't think the commissary had all the amenities that I would need. In the end, they agreed to let me use them with conditions. I basically just had to say that I wasn't going to be storing any cold food items, which basically means for now, until I find something more permanent, I'm going to be buying the food that I need for that day, hopefully selling out. And anything left over, I'll have to be discarding or transferring to the home kitchen. So not ideal, but just for getting off the ground, something I can deal with at least on a short-term basis. So So what was the issue with the actual commissary? What was wrong that the health authorities said, this is not good? What was the problem you encountered? So I guess they have different levels of restaurants, level one, two, three, not sure what it all means, but basically... It is referring to the capabilities that you have. Do you deep fry foods? Do you have cold foods only? Do you need a hood vent? Things like that. So in this case, it's like a smoothie shop. So they don't have any hot food needs and, you know, minimal other needs. So ideally, they want me to have a commissary that serves similar menu to myself, has similar capabilities to myself. The main issue, though, was their cold food holding unit. In other words, refrigerator was basically just a little beverage cooler. It wasn't intended for holding cold foods long-term. So so you weren't able to store the excess product overnight in that location? Correct. Yeah. Anything I have left over, I'll have to either discard or, like I said, just uh, eat at home. So <laughs> Feed the family at the end of the night every night. So is it enough to get going? What yes, did you have my, to agree hey, that to? That might work out well. Uh, my wife, you know, maybe she won't have to cook. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Bring the kids round. Make sure it's healthy, though. Yes, I would say definitely enough to get going. So basically, I understand it's not a good long-term solution. So I'll be looking for another commissary that has a little more amenities for me. 
But in the meantime, just to get off the ground and at least to get me past the initial trial period on my trailer, it should work out fine. Cool. So we've got the commissary. That's enough to get going. Where are we with the license with the council? What's happening on that side, Keith? Yep. So I got the site plan approved and basically all that's pending is the inspection, final inspection. So I was all set to do that on Thursday, although I didn't find out till Wednesday because we'd been going back and forth. And so I get a message on Wednesday saying, oh, are you available tomorrow at 3.30? (laughs) And I still had many things to do. I hadn't actually tested out the trailer because I didn't yet have a generator planned to borrow one from my brother. I basically was completely unfamiliar with how to get everything hooked up. And so I suddenly went from thinking I had, you know, at least a few days, would have a few days notice to suddenly here I had 24 hours. So I kind of went into freak out mode. I called my brother. He said I could use a generator, but turns out he didn't have the proper size for my electrical needs. So I was scouring the internet for another one, ended up finding a local person on Facebook Marketplace and basically got a, found a good deal, $200 for a used generator. I figured it was a low risk. So I went over and talked to the gentleman. Another side story on that, I had been storing my trailer, I think I mentioned about 20 minutes south of my town out in the middle of the desert. And the person doing the storage was actually moving and she said hey just so you know i won't be able to do this for much longer and i didn't like the fact that it was so far away anyway well as i'm pulling up to the house purchase the generator it's an interesting property i'm driving through the suburbs all of these cookie cutter homes and then all of a sudden i pass through this break in the wall and suddenly i'm in the farmlands and right (laughs) on the edge of town and this gentleman literally owns the the farm just outside of town and I'm talking to him, telling him what I'm doing. Turns out we actually have some common friends. He even knows my sister. And uh, I say, you know, I'm actually looking for a place to store my trailer. You wouldn't happen to have some spare space on your property here. And long story short, he agreed. And now I've got a nice storage place less than a mile from <laughs> where I'll be setting up. So it actually worked out. Keith, that's unbelievable. And I think for everyone listening to this, what I'd love you to take away from that little story is Keith just goes around happily telling everyone what he's up to. He's not just there to buy a generator. He's there to make friends, which I love. Keith, that's unbelievable. What a, <laughs> what a piece of luck. You know, it actually gets better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the first meeting, he, we just kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, that would probably work out. But I didn't want to pressure him into, you know, committing to anything right then and there. So then I ended up having to reschedule my appointment for the inspection. I I threw in the towel. I said, you know what, better than trying to cram and not get something right. Let's see if we can push it back. And my concern was that they would push it back, you know, two weeks from now. And I really didn't want that to happen. So I was trying to really just go with the date they'd given me and get it done as quickly as possible. In the end, they were able to reschedule for early next week, which is good. Still gives me time to launch by next weekend, hopefully. So I told the gentleman, you know, it looks like I may need that storage space sooner than I expected because I've already got the trailer up here. I need somewhere to store it, you know, until Tuesday when I've got this inspection. And he said, sure, bring it on over. So I get there and uh, he says, yeah, me and my wife talked about it. And, you know, as far as payment goes, you know, we can do cash. That's cool. Or, you know, if you want to barter for some tacos, like we'd be down for that too. (laughs) 
So essentially, I've turned my tacos into a currency that is 30 times, 30 times more pricey than Dogecoin. I love that. It's now in called Taco Coin. I think we should launch the cryptocurrency immediately, <laughs> and it can exactly. only be swapped for tacos at Keith's truck. This is genius. You need exactly. to launch your own currency immediately, Keith. <laughs> immediately with your face on the notes. Yes, and maybe a ta- me eating a taco, stuffing my face, and I think uh, you know if I get Elon <laughs> Musk on board, I think this could be a big thing. Oh, this is unbelievable, Keith. I don't know. You seem to be a man that wanders around having good luck wherever he goes. How does this happen to you? You know, it feels that way sometimes. And uh, like I said, (laughs) (laughs) I think we discussed this a little bit on a former episode. I basically said, you know, when things just kind of seem to work out, it's a sign to me that, you know, I may be going down the right path, although it's not without its challenges. You know, definitely have had to jump through some hoops. But yeah, and they do also say, the harder I work, the luckier I get, something like that. So you always have to be on the lookout. I could have easily just gone, bought the generator, left. But I looked around and just popped in my head like, hey, he's got space. I need space. Maybe we can work something out. So I think definitely you always need to be thinking beyond the experience that you're in. And that's why it's good to revisit your goals every you know every day, look at your notes. And so it's constantly in your mind looking for opportunities. So I love that. A question for you before we get into the looking for opportunities. Keith, we're recording this podcast right now and we're having internet issues. I'm in a hotel in Dallas and it has dreadful Wi-Fi and it keeps chopping in and out. But you have remained endlessly positive. How do you do that? Is that conscious decision to be positive? Like, how are you so calm and positive? I want to chuck my computer through the wall. How are you doing this? Well, I guess part of it might be the fact that it's your computer having issues, not mine. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I would say by nature, I am just a positive person. And my wife and I both, we meet new friends and almost every time people say, wow, you guys are just so chill. And probably a lot of it comes from having seven kids running around. Uh, My wife's way more chill than I am, if you can believe it. And she just says, well, I've just learned to tune it out. You know, all the craziness, you just got to roll with the punches and there's focusing on things that you can't change isn't you know going to solve anything so well there's a fascinating bit about like the fancy psychologists would call it locus of control the rest of us would say it's the areas of your life you can do something about and there's certain things like i cannot do anything about the wi-fi i'm trying my hardest but i can't do anything about it so really i should just accept it and do what i can Whereas there's areas of my life I can do something about, which is how I ask questions, how I come across on the podcast, the energy I give to you. How have you learned to focus on the areas that you can actually control rather than wasting your energy on things that just are? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to my engineering side. As you know, that's what I do for my day job. And so engineers, you know, we're problem solvers. So I get excited, pumped up almost when a problem comes up and it's like, how am I going to solve that? So I kind of see it as a challenge. And, you know, if it's too smooth sailing, then it starts to get a little boring for me. I find that interesting because that is a fantastic way to look at life because an internet problem to one person will make them want to throw the computer out the window, throw their toys out of the pram, get angry, it'll ruin their day. Whereas to you, it's an opportunity to use your skills 
and an opportunity to figure out something new. That's fascinating. Do you think that came from engineering training or is that something else? I'd say probably a lot of it has to do with that. I've always kind of considered myself a problem solver. And yeah, like I said, I just get gets me going looking at something and thinking of all the different ways that the problem can be solved. But don't, don't get the wrong impression that depending on the day, my mood, how much sleep I've gotten, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can be triggered. So it is it is not always me saving, but I do, do try my best to uh, make the best out of every situation. You always come back. So Keith, on a scale of naught to 10, not being the unluckiest person in the world, everything goes wrong, 10 being the luckiest person in the world where you just bumble around and good things happen. How lucky are you? I would say maybe uh, six or seven. I feel like I'm not, like I said, I'm not without my difficulties as uh, we've seen throughout my experiences from when I first started up. But I think good experiences, the quote, lucky times, as you would say, it just kind of stand out and get me going. And I just try to focus on those. So if you're constantly focusing on the negative, I think it's easy to think that you're the unluckiest person in the world. But if you <laughs> focus on the positive and are acknowledging the good things that have happened to you, then I think you're going to feel you know, even luckier. So it's actually fascinating, Keith. They did a study about luck. And I found this really interesting. Like Whether luck exists or not, who knows? But the study itself was really interesting. The people that said they felt they were luckier were more likely to spot opportunities. And I found that really, really interesting because if you were believing that you are a lucky person, you're more likely to spot an opportunity. So if you're going to this farm to buy the generator and you feel like you're a lucky person, you're more likely to say, oh, look, he's got space. I'll just ask the question. And the interesting thing, that opportunity for space is available there for absolutely everyone, but you spot it. And I think this is the bit, the same opportunities are available to every single person listening to this podcast. It's just some of you will be spotting it. Some of you won't. And it's about your belief about, am I lucky? Do I see these things? Who cares whether luck exists or not? Just believing you're lucky will help you to spot opportunity. And I actually believe I'm one of the luckiest people around. Like, I am so lucky. And then I keep my eyes open. And magically, I see opportunity everywhere and fun things happen. So I think whether luck exists or not, who cares? If you believe you're lucky, you're more likely to find opportunity. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. And, you know, I think there's the side of it, like you said, of being positive and going into each situation, kind of assuming it's going to work out. But on the other side, even if you have the same amount of luck as everyone else in the world, let's say only 1% of people you ask are going to say yes. Well, even without increasing your effectiveness, if you double or triple the <laughs> amount of people you ask, then you're going at basically at three percent instead of one so basically it also comes down to going out hitting the pavement doing the work and increasing your chances that way even if you're not increasing your effectiveness i love that the more phone calls i make the luckier i get more emails i send the luckier i get and who cares whether it's actually luck it just feels that way so do more 
So Keith, let's go back to the getting the permit, what's going on. How is this working? What's been the challenges getting this permit? What's been going on? Okay, so one other obstacle, we're talking about obstacles and overcoming them here that I ran into. I mentioned that I got the message on Wednesday that the permit was going to be scheduled for the next day, Thursday. Yes. And I still had all that to do. And one of the things that had been on my list, but I was just kind of putting off, was getting a food handler's permit specifically for managers. That Every food establishment here, you have to have at least one person that is certified as a food handler manager, I guess you could say. So basically, you can do it online, you can do it in person. So I looked around, was trying to find something I could do the same day, and I couldn't find anywhere locally. It was just a, a mess trying to get a hold of the right people. They, you know, oh, you need to call this person. Oh, no, you actually need to call these people. Finally, I said, I'll just check out online. And I saw that I could use a proctoring company to take this exam. And normally you would take a course, learn all the material, and then take the exam. But having just come out of my culinary training in the Army, I thought I was still pretty fresh with all the knowledge. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to give it my best shot. I only need a 75% to pass, and I'm going to just see what happens. So I got on the schedule, and the first available slot was 3.20 the following day, which happened to be right when I thought I was going to be doing the inspection. So I said, you know what, I'll just sign up and then I'm going to chat with them and see if they can pull it forward. So I get on the chat. I say, hey, do you happen to have anything available today? And they looked. They said, no, I'm really sorry. The only slot we have available is 12.20 a.m. tomorrow. And I said, wait, you mean 12.20 a.m. as in in the middle of the night tonight? And they said, yes, in nine hours. And I said, perfect, sign me up. <laughs> so... Uh, yes, I, uh, there I was sitting, uh, at my computer at 1220 with a live proctor looking at me through my webcam, making sure I wasn't oh, wow. cheating as I took a 90 minute test about food safety, finished about one thirty, got an 81% and got my certificate and went to bed about two and woke up at six thirty for work the next day. So it was oh, interesting. Geez. Turns out I didn't actually need it that quickly because we did reschedule the the inspection. But you got to do what you got to do sometimes in your business. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I think I am so impressed by your. You just ring people. You just make things happen. I am so impressed. And like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is what I would love you to take from this. Keith just rings people. He just asks the question. Can I do this today? And if the answer's no, the answer's no. But he just does it. He just asks. And I think I'm so inspired and impressed. I think you have put a lot of pressure on yourself to do this by signing up to the mini experiment for the month before actually having any of this in place. You've put a huge amount of pressure on yourself to do this, but you're just doing it. Yeah, that's a good point. If you ask my mom, she'll confirm I was the kid growing up who put off everything till the last minute. And I, you know, I worked great under pressure, you know, but I, I would finish it right at the end as I was running out the door, slapping stuff on my posters. And my mom just poked her head in the door and um, I'm here recording at her house. And she said, yes, it's true. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the ideal scenario for everyone out there is to give yourself as much time as possible 
start early, plan, do all that. But in the end, if it doesn't work out or if you get yourself into these situations where you're under time crunch, just just make the most of it, make it happen. Yes. And I do think there is an element of signing up for this month-long truck thing has made you do all this. And you wouldn't have been doing this if you didn't have that deadline to make it happen. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, definitely having a deadline, put some feet to the fire. And yeah, they say, what is it that everybody completes everything in the exact amount of time that they're allotted? So you you give someone (laughs) six months to do it, it will take exactly six months. It's a strange phenomenon in the, you know, in the engineering world, too. So basically... I would just as soon have short deadlines so, and just cram to get them done than give me a long time because, like you said, it may just keep getting pushed off, pushed off. So I would have to say that your style of entrepreneurship, Keith, would make me very nervous. I think <laughs> if I was doing this and I'd sign up to that month-long thing, I would not have signed up the month-long thing until I had all the certificates in place, until I knew the process. I don't think I would have done what you have done but then you did it and we're making it happen. And that's all that really matters. But I definitely think your style of entrepreneurship would make me nervous. And everyone thinks I'm a risk taker. (laughs) That's too funny. So yeah, maybe I need a business partner to balance me out like that, you know, someone who's uh, (laughs) got more your style. But yeah, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. And part of it could be extreme optimism or ignorance, like I've said in the past. But either way, here we are. And there's no turning back now. Well, exactly. And I think I would rather live with extreme optimism, believing I'm lucky and that I can do it and just making it happen rather than live in an area where I was like just delaying things, delaying things, delaying things and not making things happen. So I would much rather spend my life at your end of that spectrum than at the end of the spectrum where nothing happens. And I think just signing up to it, just doing it, you're inspiring, Keith. I am inspired to do more and to sign up. So let's just go to an, a higher level, having a look at this whole thing. We're now the 28th of May, 2021. You signed up to this mini experiment at the beginning of May, and we thought it was going to be a month. Just run me through where exactly are we in the process? How many weekends are you going to get to be able to trade before the end of the mini experiment? And what your thoughts are at the moment? Yeah, so basically, originally, we had agreed to one month experiment with the trailer owner. I was able to negotiate that, discussed, I think, last time, added two additional weeks. So that basically puts me at the middle of June. So the way it's looking now, if everything goes well with the inspection next week, I'll have the following weekend to operate and then the weekend after. So two weekends, essentially. and definitely like i said not ideal would have been nice to have a whole month to do it but honestly at this point i've already kind of got the confidence in my concept from my previous experiment and this is just kind of if anything to give me a little bit of a little bit more confidence put me a little bit more at ease and so the way i'm feeling now is i'm most likely going to just stick with it but if anything else was a well-intentioned experiment that may turn out just to be the intro into my my actual one-year contract that you could call an extended experiment since at that point, you know, I can go ahead and cut off the contract and call it a day at that point. Well, I think we always go into these mini experiments hoping that they will work out. 
So I think we always aimed to go, okay, we've made enough money in the month. We know there's a market in Phoenix, Arizona. We know it's working that we can then extend and go further. So that was always the aim, always the aim. And this deadline has made us do it. So Keith, with all of this going on, a full-time job, a family, have you managed to do any of the promotion work that we spoke about last time? Or has that fallen by the wayside? Yes, I'm glad you asked. And I will say this took a lot of motivation because I knew what I wanted to do and needed to do, but it just was not appealing to me. The potential excited me, but the actual nitty gritty sending out the invites and everything just did not fire me up. So finally, one Sunday, I think last Sunday, I was didn't really have anything on the schedule. And I said, okay, today's the day I'm going to do it. I went and pulled up in our bedroom, just that I needed some space for a little bit. And I went through and I Google searched some articles that basically said top Arizona foodies or Phoenix foodies. And turns out there's actually quite a few. I found about 15 of them that had at least several thousand followers, some as many as 150,000. And I think we talked about my plan was to contact them and invite them to like my soft opening, you know, where I'm going to be just testing out the systems and training anybody that's helping me out in the trailer. And so that's what I did. I just wrote them all a little paragraph. I said, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. You know, I'm back in the Phoenix area, excited about introducing everyone here to my new product that's kind of unique and everybody seemed to like over in Ohio. And then I waited. It was about 10 p.m. I think at night that I find 8 or 10 p.m., something like that. And you know, I'm sitting there looking at my phone, like, oh, I don't know how, <laughs> how quickly these people respond. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I think, uh, I don't think I got any responses that night. If I did, maybe like one. But when I got that first positive one, really fired me up. I think it was someone that had maybe two or 3,000 followers, something like that. And then over the next 24 hours, 48 hours, and even on through late as yesterday, uh, you know, I got another response, another response. So out of the 16 Instagrammers, foodie Instagrammers, local here in Phoenix, I actually ended up hearing back from eight of them as of right now. It might even be nine, nine, something like that. And they were all positive. They all said, yes, let us know when the date is. If it works in my schedule, I'll definitely check it out. Others were very excited. They said, oh, this sounds amazing. Can't wait. Let me know. So yeah, honestly, I, I was happy when I got two or three, but when it kept getting more and more all the way up to eight or nine, yeah, it really blew my expectations out of the water. Keith, that is phenomenal. And that response rate is insane. It is an incredible response rate. But let's be honest, you're reaching out to Instagrammers and saying, would you like to come and try free food? Uh, would you like to come and hang out for a meal? Which is going to get a good response rate, you hope. I think this is fantastic. And yeah, even if exactly. they can't... Honestly, I think I'm in the wrong business. I was like... <laughs> I think I need to uh, switch and become a, a foodie Instagrammer because literally they travel around eating delicious food for free and get paid for it. So sounds you know, amazing. Maybe a career change later in my future, but for now, focus on the tacos. Yes, and I think even if they can't make the soft launch, make sure you invite them another day. Make a reason to get them down there. We just need these people to turn up at some point over the time you're doing this preferably the soft launch, but if not, then afterwards. But we just need them to turn up. So tell me, what else has been going on on that side? Yeah, that's a great point. And I had that same thought. I was 
I was at least going to say if they couldn't make it to the soft launch that they could come the next day. I'm planning to do the soft launch probably on the Thursday and then the actual launch on the Friday. And so I was going to at least invite them to that if they couldn't make it. But that's a great point. You know, even if it's not that weekend, at some point in the future, you know, I'll be here. I'll be around for a while. So really, it doesn't matter anytime. But yeah, a couple of things. One, you know, I didn't know how those kind of interactions usually worked. If, you know, you had to pay them, if you just give them free food. And so I did go back to my handy uh, Facebook groups and did some searches in the restaurant owners group that I'm in for influencer or Instagrammers. And I got a few hits in the search and basically people asking, oh, have you ever worked with foodies, Instagrammers? Was it a, a good return on investment? What was the contracts? And some people, oh, that's terrible. You don't want to do it. They're, they're just, you know, these snowflakes that are trying to get free stuff. And and then there were other people that said, oh, it worked great. All we did was give them a free meal and they shouted out to all their local followers. And we had this amount of increase over the next month or whatever the case may be. Kind of funny seeing the both sides of it. And I have a feeling the people grumbling about it had probably never tried it. So I basically just worded it in my communication with them that I was having a complimentary event for friends, family, and local foodies, and that I'd love to have them so that they could get a chance to try some new food and maybe give their followers something fun to try as well. So never once did I say anything about money or about the requirement of them having to post or anything. I just kind of put it out there as like, hey, you could come enjoy yourself, have some good food. And if you happen to want to share it with your followers, that'd be great. So as of right now, no one's asked me for money. So it looks like we're back to the taco currency. It's uh... <laughs> I love that. The Keith Hunt taco currency. Let's get those printed immediately and start. That's the currency. I love that. And that's what we've got to do is just stay positive, reach out, ask for what we want. And I think you're doing that so well. You know, I think I might get my graphic designer on that right away, then, at least for fun. You know, maybe I'll print a few. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Well, I, uh, one thing I did want to mention about the all the positive responses I got from the Instagrammers, if you add up all the followers, obviously there's going to be some overlap, but if you add up all the followers from all of the ones that have at least said they'd be interested, I think I'm up to over 120,000 now. And so Phoenix is a big place, but still 120,000 followers, most of them probably local, or at least many of them. I can't imagine if they all post about it. It seems like that could have a, a huge reach. And, you know, like I said, I may, may be overwhelmed, but that's a good, good problem to have. Absolutely. And even the ones that haven't replied, there's no reason why you can't go back to them when you have the specific date for next Thursday soft launch and say, we're launching next Thursday. If you want to come down for a free taco and come and join us, you can still reach back to the eight that didn't want to do it. So what else has gone on with the promotion stuff, Keith? Where else have you got to with that? Yeah, so I also reached out to the local news group. It's They've got a paper, they've got a magazine, a social media presence, and basically the only one in the town because we are such a small town relatively. I think there's about 50,000 people. So I reached out to them like you had suggested last time, sent them some nice photos. I sent them a little write-up that I'd done and just said, hey, you know, uh, here's who I am. I invited them to the event as well. 
And I said, I'd love to have someone from, from your group at the soft opening or the official opening. And if you want to do a story, that'd be great as well. And that took a couple of days. I was kind of on pins and needles. I was really, really <laughs> hoping they would call me back. And sure enough, they took, I think, yeah, about two or three days, I got a response and they said, yes, we would love to do this. And uh, just let us know when the event is and we'll definitely be there. And we'd definitely be interested in having a story written. So that was exciting. Also reached out to another media company. This was kind of funny. When I lived over in Ohio, I woke up one morning to a notification from my business Facebook page that said, Hispanic Food Network liked your post and commented. And I said, wow, who's Hispanic Food Network? I have no <laughs> idea who that is, but sounds official and it can't be a bad thing. So I clicked on it. They were basically like kind of a digital marketing company that focuses on Hispanic food specifically. And they had 30 or so thousand followers on Facebook. And I was like, wow, this was, you know, the biggest person that had ever commented on my stuff. And I started just commenting back and forth with them. And over the next few months, they would just share my posts, say it looks delicious. And they actually did featured me on their website once, just a quick little article they did, like wow. five new places we discovered or something like that. And then when I announced that I was moving back to Arizona, it turns out they're actually headquartered here. And they said, oh, we no. can't wait for you to move back here. So I reached out to them. I said, hey, remember me? You guys found me when I was over in Ohio. Well, guess what? Now I'm in your backyard here. And I'd love for you to come over and check out this event. And they responded back and they, they actually wanted to hop on a call. So I was waiting for the hook, you know, where they're going to ask me for money. And then they said, actually, you know, we don't, for our stories, for all of our content, you know, we obviously don't require any type of payment because we're just always looking for content and we make our money through other ways. So yeah, we'd love to do a story on you as well. And you know, maybe one right now, maybe later down the road, if you ever end up opening, you know, a actual restaurant. And so, so yeah, that was really positive as well. And so between all of those, I think it basically blew my expectations out of the water. <laughs> and I didn't even mention, I just remembered, I actually reached out to two local podcasts that one of them focuses just on small businesses in general, the other on specifically the restaurant industry. And I actually heard back from one of those saying that they would be interested in having me on their podcast and coming to the event as well. So all good things happening. I love that. And for those of you listening right now, the rebel entrepreneurs out there, Keith has done the legwork. He has reached out to these people. He's messaged people. He's sent messages. That is how you've got to do it. And I love this. He's sent pictures. He's written notes. He's connected with people. That is what all of this is about. If you want people to know about your business, tell people. Get out there. Ring. Message. Talk to people. Invite them to something cool. Send them photos. Like You do have something cool to invite them to, Keith. So that is an absolute bonus. You've got a soft launch and a real launch. But you just need to invite people and put it on. Make it happen. Invite the world. Yeah, that's a great point. Like I said, I'm new here. No one knows who I am except, you know, friends and family. And they're not just going to magically show up and say, oh, I, I knew you would be here. <laughs> so, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely just takes that first step. And as you can see, I got basically about a 50% response rate 
both with the podcast, with the with the Instagrammers, and actually 100% on the media group. So yeah, you can't really go wrong in asking. And like I said, if you want to increase your your chances, you just got to ask more people. I love that. And if I could get everyone listening to this to actually hear that message, like here's the challenge. If you're listening to this now, send three emails, send three Instagram private messages and make three phone calls. If you do that and you have conversations and you promote your business, it is unbelievable what happens. So do that. Do it now. Stop listening to Keith and I. Go make it happen. I love that. There goes Alan again, uh, making the challenge. I like that. (laughs) Well, that's how you make things happen. You've got to do it. I genuinely think people, they think too much and they act too little. Like I'd love people to do more and just take action. And I think sometimes with you, Keith, I want to tell you to think a little bit more (laughs) and (laughs) do the opposite. But for everyone else out there, they should definitely be thinking less and taking more action. Yep, I love that. There is some truth to that for sure. So what's the plan next, Keith? What are the next steps? What are we planning on getting done before our next podcast chat? Yeah, so basically I'm going to be getting everything ready for the big day. First, the inspection. I've got to spend all day tomorrow. I'm going to try to sort out everything with the food trailer, get all the equipment I need, test out the generator. It looks like I need some type of cable that's going to convert from the cord in my trailer to the connection on the generator. So I'll need to get that sorted out, need to clean the trailer. I'm going to get my nephew who wants to work for me, put him to work with his friend, get that trailer (laughs) nice and sparkling clean for the inspection, fire up all the equipment, make sure everything works. And yeah, just a few little odds and ends here. And then it'll be prepping for the event. And like I said, unfortunately, I can't buy everything in advance as far as the food goes. So it's going to be a very long, stressful day. And that actually brought me to another point. Basically, to cap it off is long term, how am I going to make this work with the day job? I was discussing with my wife last night. It's going to be very difficult in my current situation with not being able to store the cold food. So I'm going to be looking very vigorously trying to find a new commissary because in the meantime, I'll be going to work, working my eight hours, coming home, going straight to the supermarket, buying all the ingredients, firing up the trailer, prepping the ingredients and serving, cleaning up. So they're going to make for some very long days. And who knows, hopefully it takes off and it gets to the point where the side hustle is, you know, bringing in enough to at least start considering doing it long term. And I see it as an opportunity if it's successful to go to my employer and propose some type of new agreement where maybe I'm not working five days a week, maybe I'm working four days a week and, you know, have Friday off to do the trailer, or maybe I do a couple half days, something like that. And I think I've positioned myself well in the company, proved myself that, you know, I'm a valuable asset to them. And so, and they know about the trailer. They've even suggested maybe I could come do the tacos for them sometime for employee party <laughs> or whatever. And so I'm hoping to make it a win-win for everybody. But that all kind of depends on how well how well the taco trailer does. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that's kind of my long-term goal is maybe stage one, have a very uncomfortable few weeks, maybe month of doing both. And then maybe a negotiation period where I'm doing a little bit of each and then possibly eventually 
getting to the point where I'm doing the trailer full time with complete time freedom. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not binary. It's not one or zero. You don't do the truck or the job. You can transition through them as you go. And if the first two weeks of trading go incredibly well, that's going to give you huge confidence to go to the employer and ask for part time and then start to transition from there. So we just need to see how these first two weeks of trading go and then start to have those discussions of, is it enough to support your family? Is it enough to start transitioning? Yep, that's a great point. The other good thing with the timing, you know, we'll see how it goes. But supposedly in the US here, starting up in July, they're going to start sending out basically some payments for child tax credit, which has been revised for next year or this year, technically, I guess. And they're allowing people to pull some of that forward and split it out over a six month period from July to December, I believe, and per child. So as you know, have a very large family. So uh, <laughs> I may, may, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch, so we'll see. But if it goes like they're saying, I may be getting a nice little deposit every month from July to December. And that will definitely give me a little bit of a something to fall back on if I do decide to do something crazy and take the leap during that time. Yes. Let's get the first two weekends done, review the numbers, and then let's talk about that, Keith. I think, yeah, this is excellent. We just need those first two weekends numbers to see where we are. I think that that's the next step. You have a huge amount to get on with. I'm so inspired that you're finding the time to chart your story with us. And I promise to help promote the first two weekends. We'll do it on the podcast. We'll do it wherever we can. I am so excited to see how this goes. Thank you for sharing your story and inspiring other people. I am so impressed. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. And honestly, chatting with you has helped me as well. Like I said, it gave me an accountability partner and kind of kept me on track and helped pull some of the ideas out of me and also pulled me off the ledge, you know, gave me someone to to, uh, (laughs) make sure I wasn't doing anything too crazy. So I appreciate you uh, talking with me as well. Excellent. Keith, you are a legend. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.